podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the Paddock Blues podcast. I'm Paul, and today I'm joined by Jamie and Andy. How's it going, boys? You okay? Yes, I'll meet you. Yeah, good meet you. Andy, how are you? Yeah, I'm excellent, thanks, Paul. You keep doing well, my friends. Yeah, just a um, little disclaimer before we start. We thought when... Um, I think we were all relieved, weren't we, when Everton beat Bournemouth, and I think the international break was just a chance for us all to just recharge our batteries, forget about Everton for a couple of weeks, and... But then, so we haven't just like nothing's happened. We haven't fell out, and we haven't decided to stop doing them. We just thought, you know what? If they're taking a break, we're gonna take a break as well. I've just had a couple of weeks of playing that new FIFA game, which is what EFC Twenty Four. Same here. So, have I uh, been having a lot of fun with that in career mode? I've got you, Bellingham, and Victor Osman and everything playing for Everton <laughs> for me. So yeah, I've had a good time there. But what have you been up to, Jamie? Been up to much the last couple of weeks? Yeah, pretty much the same, mate. Yeah, I think it came out at the perfect time, didn't it? So yeah, it was just nice to uh, take a little step back, just to see family and friends. we not worrying about everything and what's going on is and who's Schultz selling us down the river. And this day, it was just nice to step out of it for a while, only for two weeks, but it was nice. Yeah, Andy, I know I spoke to you privately. You know, you've been very busy in work this week, haven't you, mate? Uh... You've had a, a few shifts going up, so you've got a bit of time off now, haven't you? But how have you been over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, really well, thanks, mate. I think, uh, like a lot of Evertonians, we kind of we plan social and work calendars in advance to make it work around Everton. So we've been an international breaker. Took the opportunity to do a bit more work, but also I'm really into my rugby league, so I went to watch Wigan Warriors last weekend doing my team. So that's where I get my glory from, because of Obviously, don't get a lot following Everton. So, I'm, I'm sure we've got a lot of St. Ellen's fans winning. So, congratulations on the last four, four years, boys. But back to them now. But yeah, no, it doesn't. It, I absolutely love the game, mate. But it's not a patch on what Everton means to me. But yeah, so but it, it, it was nice to, to actually see a, a trophy being lifted. That's for sure. Yeah, a trophy. What's one of them? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, um, but yeah, that that's just basically where we've been. Obviously, Melinda's in. Having family time back in Canada, and you know, we just, as I say, we just all had a bit of a chance just to gather our thoughts. But let's get back into it and let the misery commence. And before we get into the Merseyside derby, which you know, that's the game coming up this week, the, the one we all want to win and we never win. But yeah. triple seven, lots of news this week about them. Loads of rumors, loads of counter rumors, lots of, for the better word, scaremongering on Twitter. Know all these people mean well. They all want the best for Everton, but it just sort of stares the fan base up, doesn't it? But, yeah, it's... There was a report that came out early yesterday from the New York Times that basically they said they didn't have... This triple seven didn't have the funds to complete a sale for Everton. That was later rubbish in... Later in the day, sorry. 
and they triple seven have come out and said that they do have the funds and everything's going ahead as normal. Alan Myers has come out and said everything's you know going along nicely. It's uh, just got to wait and see in one of them things. So Andy, I'll come to you first. I know we I spoke to you yesterday and you have been trying to catch up on all this triple seven stuff. Just tell me what's going on, mate, because I haven't really got a clue what's going on with this triple seven. Uh, I'm not a clue, mate. No, uh, depends who you want to listen to, to be fair, Paul. Um, there's so many conflicting reports and rumours out there. Uh, do a short disclaimer just before I go into this. Obviously, I think, you know, for, for those that listen and, and use Twitter, be aware that, obviously, in terms when it comes to financial things, there's the S on Twitter who who does a lot. Um, if I say anything about him that's negative in this, it's not because he, he does another podcast. Like there's other Everton podcasts out there. I listen to a lot of them and a lot of them are really, really good. So it's not about that. But he does seem to always, if there's an angle to take, it always does seem to be the negative one. Sometimes he's right, sometimes he's wrong. So I'm not saying that he's wrong on this occasion. Um, But he tends to run with the reports that reflect the negative side of 777 as opposed to the ones that can tell you something positive. Um, If you want to believe the negative ones, then they don't have money. They're a complete shell of a company they not really got money they always rough appear to pay paul and if that's the case then it's not good news for everton also but also you read other ones that they've got eight billion pounds worth of money in there now the main guy that they've got overseeing everything they took from manchester city you know the guy at manchester city looked after manchester city's football operations for eight years um now, if he's chosen to invest in 7-7 and be employed by 7-7, which he has, you'd like to think a, a man who would have been in such high demand as him would have done his due diligence. We're told that the fit and proper persons test of the Premier League is more robust than it's ever been. If that is the case, then, you know, if this sale does go through, we have to believe that it it, it is because they, one, they have the right intentions and more importantly, well, probably not as important, but they have the money to make things happen. So, like I say, as Everton's, particularly over the last few years, we're so used to any kind of positive news being wiped away straight away with negativity. So it's understandable why we kind of always kind of lean towards that side of it. But I don't think anything that's come out since we last did a podcast uh, a few weeks ago has is, is changed. It's just, it's just resurfacing of old rumours about them, um, rehashing old articles, re- rehashing old information and just trying to make it relevant and current um, just because people need something to write about. So um, I'm not saying everything's going to be okay, but I don't think anything that, that's come out in the last few days is anything anything to worry about than the, or, or anything new that we've not, we don't already know. Yeah. I've got like a few little things here before I come to you, Jamie. CDs on my phone. Um, apparently, Triple Seven have already lent money to Everton up to sixty-five million pounds. So, yeah, obviously they're they're very serious about Everton, and that's you know that's just to make sure we can keep the heating on and pay the water bills and keep the yeah. lecky on and everything else. So that's that. And obviously, Farhad Machine has come up with a statement saying the more time that I've spent with the Triple Seven team the more my confidence increases that we have found the right people to take the club forward in the modern era. They are highly professional and deliver exactly what they say they will. And I look forward to them achieving all their regulatory approvals and proceedings to completion on the timetable we set. Now, 
I know Andy mentioned the Ash before. Now I do listen to the Ash podcast, and they're really good. They're really he, he, the one thing that people say about him. People say, "Oh, he's off again. He's off again." I understand all that, but he is a genuine Evertonian. He really, really cares about the club. I think he's just very, very financially clued up, so he can see what others can't see. You know what I mean? But as far as the fan base is going, it's just it's not doing us any favors at all, is it? By just whipping off. This hysteria before these people have actually got their foot in the door, is it, Jamie? No, it doesn't help me, does it? It's like before you sign a player and everyone's saying, oh, he's only done this, he's only done that, and why are we signing him? He only scored these goals. He hasn't kicked the ball yet. I think you've got to let these people take over. Listen, five months here, he'd come in. We all thought we'd won the loss we thought we were the new Man City. Look at us now. So I think you've got to give these people, these American group a chance. You don't know what these these this plan is. We don't know the plan. These might come in and solely focus on Everton, and Everton's their like number one. I know they they link. They've got like other teams around seven Europe. Clubs, isn't it? Yeah, seven clubs around the world. They've got seven clubs around the world, but Everton will be the the Easter egg, the golden goose. Yeah. yeah, it'll be. This is this is what we're doing, and I think I also read something that the, is it Josh? Is it? He said. Yeah, he said that we know we've got a couple of things wrong, but we're working on it, and we are learning as we are learning as new owners. And I think you've got to just give them time. I do, I do. It doesn't help. Listen, people are entitled to their opinion, and if people know certain things, they know them. It's as simple as that. But whether you believe them or not, it's down to it's down. It's just purely down to you. You go on, you see that the worst thing that ever is going ever can happen to Everton Football Club, and then the next thing is we can't lose these. It's just. It's just no one knows. It's just I'll get them in and then see. Yeah, well, we're one to talk, aren't we, really, as a podcast for like too much information when it comes to Everton because this is basically why we're here to talk about Everton. But, and did you think that really is people are delving too deep into the inner workings of a football club and they've just forgotten how to be football fans? <laughs> yes and no. Or do you it's think just... it's just something that we deeply care about? So, obviously, we want to know the ins and outs I... of everything. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think there is obviously there's a one for us to know as much as we possibly can. I mean, Everton revolves is the the thing our life revolves around for the majority yeah. of us. But on the flip side of it as well, we kind of we do have to take an interest in it because it's not like it, I mean FFP. When did it come in ten ten years ago? Like it wasn't just a case of you know you can't just say it's not my money anymore. Um, you know, it's somebody else's money. I don't care. Because it does have ramifications in terms of what we spend. Because if we don't spend it right, or they, these aren't the right people, then it has big impact on what we can invest going moving forward. So obviously, the implementation of FFP does mean that we have to have a lot more interest in the financials. And like I said, the, the way that the S can understand really complicated things and break it down for fans is something that's really useful at times. It um, helps, doesn't it? It, it has helped yeah, us at times. Of it, like, you know, in uncertainties, it's helped us out a lot, hasn't it? Uh, of course it is. He, he can, he can he take things that are very complex and break it down so, you know, people that don't have that deep understanding can understand it. Um, so, like I say, it's not a case of knocking him. All the, yeah. the, the thing is, though, is that what I keep seeing is highlighting the negatives. And the negatives, some of it might be based on inside information, but a lot of it seems to be based on rumour. Whereas... There's rumours out there that these guys are the real big deal, that they have lots and lots of money, that they've been working their way, building a portfolio, and Everton is like, you know, 
um, as James said before, this is the this is the golden goose. This is the top of the tree that they want to get to. So, if that is the case, like I say, it's really easy to be drawn into concentrate on the negatives. And if you believe some of the rumors out there, you can go for them. But there's plenty of positives as well. So, the way that I'm approaching it is, I'm going to stay neutral, but just towards the positive because I'd rather believe that. I mean. Everton, Evertonians, in, in my opinion, are the best fans in the business, and we do some luck, and we do a lot of it, and we do it consistently. So let's let's just hope it's coming around for us. Yeah, Jamie, you want to come in there? Uh, no, I just wanted to ask you, Paul. Um, do you think this is a case of the fan fan base being sort of once bitten, twice shy with Fad Mishiri, the way because he's ruined this, hasn't he? He, he started this, and he, he, this is his fault the way we are right now. Yeah, I just think naturally as a fan base, where if something bad's going to happen, it's going to happen to us. That's our mentality as Everton supporters. Is if if it, if it can if something bad can happen, it will happen to Everton. It's guaranteed to happen to us because we say it all the time. We we thought we won the lottery. We thought we were going to get Man City levels of success, and when Farah Mashidi came in, and it was it didn't happen, did it? We we done it completely wrong. So. He's made questionable decisions in the past, and now he's he's obviously chosen Civil Seven to come in and buy him out and take over. So we're like, well, we couldn't trust you to do the day to day runnings of Everton. So why are we trusting you to find us the right owners now? But yeah. for me, it's just a case of similar to Andy. It's just I'm I'm just gonna have to wait and see. Now it, it could possibly be the worst thing that ever happens to Everton, but can we get much worse at the moment? I don't know. It just we just seem to be stuck. I don't mean. Just yeah. stuck in a loop of just constant shite at the moment, just a never-ending cycle of shit, basically. So I'm just going to take that attitude of I'm just going to wait now. But I am fully prepared to have me kicks pulled down again because it's it's Everton. But I think most Evertonians feel the same way, to be honest yeah. with you. And I know he's not obviously Andy's not saying that, and I'm not saying that. I'm not blaming the Esker all this because there's a lot of more people who with loads of information who want to put it out there and as you say Chinese whispers people can add stuff to it and make it sound a lot worse than what it what it really is but do you think there is an agenda in the press I'll come to you Jamie that is trying to to stir the Evertonians up to always think the worst like because they, this this rumours and counter rumours and stories of these got no money and the stories that they haven't paid staff and the stories that they haven't paid rent on their HQ and it's just Who's putting these stories out there? It's just it's just a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah, they, I think they are. Aren't, I think they do. I think they love winding us up. You can tell they, they love it as well. The certain stories, as you just said, is just an absolute no story. And they throw it out there like it's the biggest thing that's ever happened to football. It seems like it's only ever us that they throw stories out. No, I'm not playing the victim here, but it does. It seems like only ever bad stories come out about Everton. Um, I just and if we ever do anything good at all, we should. Oh yeah, look what Everton have done to the side. But look at this: the stadium's not getting finished. They can't fund it. You know, the new owner hasn't got the money and stuff. But I think as a fan base, we've just got to sort of forget all that. Don't take that to heart or take it with a bottle of salt. Yeah, hey, there you go. <laughs> and just just concentrate on what the football club do. Don't yeah. listen to anything unless it comes from Everton Football Club themselves. And then I think you'll sort of see a clearer vision. You're not sort of panicking over these stories from the Daily Mail and you see, oh my God, we're in so much trouble. I'll, just wait. I'll make Matthews 
We love yeah. it. He loves Everton, yeah. doesn't he? Oh, Absolutely wow. loves Everton. He is a sausage. I mean, what have we done to him? I mean, as somebody, what, what we just offended that man out of me as a yeah. club. We yeah. just completely offended them, like. It was brilliant. My mate Dan tweeted yesterday saying, um, "What's going on? It's Derby week, and we've not heard anything from Matt Hughes yet. Surely he's coming." And then, literally seven hours later, there was a fictitious, knitted together story of completely. Is he read Matt Hughes? He's employed by the media. I presume so because it seems to be that's the top of the top of the thing they look for on a qualification when getting employed. Is are you a red? So yeah, I reckon there's a chance. Yeah. It's uh, it's crazy, isn't it? It's just any bad story that's out there, like you say, Jamie. It's uh, let's throw Everton's name on there. It's just yeah. copy and paste. Just throw it out there. But yeah, as I say, just gotta wait and see. But there is other things that are happening in the background. And you know, I, I've, I'll just before I go on to that, I'll openly admit I, it's probably coming back to bite me in the ass now. All this, I don't care about Everton's finances, and I'm not really bothered because I've, I've just, I've decided to take a break from. Everton and Twitter and everything else and I log on and it's just this takeover and I'm like, oh shit, I'm miles behind, I don't know what's going on, so if anyone's listening now and going, Jesus he's not very clued up, is he? You know what? I'm not clued up, <laughs> that's just the way it is, it's just... I don't think anyone is though, mate. No. I don't think anyone is you know, unless you were sat in the boardroom and sat in these Zoom meetings or with with these men who were taking over the football club, everyone that puts anything about Everton and this 777 it's a pure rumor. It's a guess, unless you unless you know you're guessing. So stop. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna judge people for something they haven't even done yet. And people have, have come back at me and said, "Well, they have. They've failed at other clubs. Like who was it? Who who have they got? Standard Liège, Hertha Berlin, Hertha Berlin, and stuff like that. So you can judge them on that. But until they get into Everton, and you should both said it, the Premier League is the promised land in football, isn't it? So they could see Everton as like this, like we're in now. Let's really make a good go of this. But all I'm asking for is just somebody to steady the ship. There might be fans out there who are thinking, we want hundreds of millions to buy Mbappe. You know, he probably still wouldn't sign for Everton anyway. But to buy all these players and that. But I, I don't particularly want that now. I just want steady, progressive football and a, and a business. Everton yeah. has a business as well. Just just stop being shit, basically, on and <laughs> off the pitch. That'll do for me. But... Uh, Another story that's come out this week, and we have a hearing, I think, on a, a tribunal, is it, on the 25th of October, and that's the FFP hearing. Now, that could be docked points or a suspended fine, I think. I've read. But, Andy, what do you make of that? What, what, you, again, none of us know what to expect. Cause we, I don't even, we still don't know what we're supposed to have done wrong, do we? Well, yeah, I think um, one of the first pods I did with you boys, so going back a few months now, I, and you asked me a, a similar question at the time, Paul, and I said, in some ways, I hope they throw the book at us and we go to CAS, uh, the Court of Arbitration for Sport, because the first, I'd rather it be another club that do this because I don't want us to be the guinea pig, but FFP isn't fit for purpose. It's not, it's sold to us, it's there to, you know, stop clubs from going out of existence. It's there to make sure clubs are sustainable, but it's not. It's there to keep the elite the elite, and that's just exactly how it is. So I think once it gets into, like, in front of the club arbitration for, for sport, you get a good contract lawyer on there, it'll be thrown out in a heartbeat anyway, particularly when you've got, us, a lot of it is due to things when you're coming out of COVID. Um, you know, the 
UEFA, FIFA, FA, whoever it may be, saying, oh, no, you, you've got to use your own money to sustain the club in terms of a turnover. And then all of a sudden, there is no turnover for, what was it, six months? And then, obviously, less turnover over the, the following year. Oh, OK, well, you can put some of your own money in now. So I think, I don't think that, it was, it'll probably be a harsh financial one, but I think they know that they're on really shaky waters in terms of how, how far they can push it and how impactful a points deduction would be. You know, we're a club near the, the bottom of the Premier League. We've survived the last two seasons, what, by the last game of the season and the second to last game of the season. If Everton were to go down, they know that could cost the club, what, £150 million. Not only that, you lose prize assets and set you back. So they'll be aware of what a points deduction could do. So I don't think that will happen. But like I say, that's only my opinion. Um, but I do hope that they do try and take a club to task. I just don't hope it does. And that club fights back and we just get FFP thrown out because it, it's not it's not worth the paper it's printed on. It's All it's going to do, the longer it stays, is just keep the teams that certain individuals want at the top end of the Premier League in European competitions. Yeah, well, I think Man City have breached FFP. That must have done. Actually, they haven't actually got a court case date yet, have they? Because they've done it that many times. So obviously, Everton have got one. So they decided, well, we'll get these in there. We'll see what's yeah. happening there. Yeah, but I mean, again, uh, and you said FFP for for purpose, which is, again is FFP. I like what you did there, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Thanks very much. Um, <laughs> uh, it wasn't intentional. <laughs> but, no, but again, you look at Man City, and I, 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 I never get in into where the money comes from in terms of where oil money, state money. Like At the end of the day, if you look to anybody who's got money somewhere down the line, there's something that that's unpalatable about it. So I, I'm not commenting on that. But what I, what I will say is about the money that Man City have like put into their club. They've really invested in the area of the community. They've developed it, yeah. the areas around it. They've developed into the training side of it. And it's their money. Like I like I didn't care when we had no money in the mid two thousands when we would look like we were building something in teams. You know, we could go out and whilst Everton were massive and we were doing well, we we were the team close to the top four, but we had no money. We could lose out to teams like Portsmouth and Middlesbrough because they could they had investors at the time that would throw more money at it. I was never bothered then. It's just part of football. Some clubs will have money, other clubs will have less of it at the time. So I don't really care in in terms of how much any team spends. Um, yeah. And I don't, you know, for me, that's always been a part of football. People have more money to spend than, than others. Um, so I, I just, for me, I, I don't get what it's there for other than to, like I say, make sure that certain people are, are kept earning that money year after year after year. I think with the City Group as well, I mean, I think they have that much money that they're not actually looking to make more money. They're actually just trying to get rid of the money. <laughs> you get what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. They're in it to win Champions League, they're in it to, to make City the best team in the world, which they have done. They've yeah, done it. They've succeeded it in, already. We, we've seen Roman Abramovich, but Chelsea, he wasn't in it to make money, he was in there no, to, was to fun, build a winning it? team. Was, yeah. yeah, and the problem is, is obviously two big voices, Liverpool and Man United, at this current time, they have owners that are in there, of course they want to win things, but they're in it to make money. Um, so of course, they're going to be big big voices just like you know against this happening because they don't have those kind of owners but if Liverpool got took over tomorrow by a Qatari Sheikh who you know wants to spend like it's monopoly money then 
opinions will change. And that's not a go at Liverpool fans because it, it, it's, it's football, how we all are fans. as fans. Yeah. We're all fickle. Um, but yeah, like I say, I, I yeah. Just... Well, the, there's a there's a shake looking to uh, buy a football club at the moment, and um, you know, well, uh, if he's listening to this podcast, don't know why he probably can't understand the word I'm saying. But is it Shake Jassim? Is it? Yeah, I've invited him oh, for a bevy before the Brighton game at the taxi club. I sent him an email, yeah. so I'll, I'll let you know if he gets back to me, boys. Yeah, fancy. Yeah, uh, if you fancy buying Everton and uh, taking us into the stratosphere, I'll be more than happy for him to do that. Like, but uh, yeah, Jamie, hypothetical question, and it's a proper doom mongering question from myself, which you know that's that's just who I am. This FFP hearing for Everton goes tits up. We got Doc nine points. That's us relegated, isn't it? I think so. Uh, so we go to we go to minus. What would we? What are we on now? Two, minus two. Uh, we go on minus two. Um, no, I don't think it is. I'd, no, no. Um, just purely. I don't the think fact I that... don't think we're good enough to make that up. Me personally, like we'll wait and see. It's only early in the season and all, but I think it'd just be damaging to us. Me personally, like I don't think it'll be a points deduction as well. Though didn't it, didn't something come out weeks ago that? It can't be a point deduction. They brought a new law in or something. They can't deduct points or something. I don't know. Maybe I'm, I misread that. Um, I don't think it'll be a point deduction. If if it did, minus two, minus twelve. Then come on, I want to make you. I want to make you feel bad. Minus twelve. Oh yeah, we're going down. Yeah, yeah. I'm only joking. But oh, that's just. I just throwing a little cheeky one in there. I mean, points deduction disasters, isn't it? For the, I mean, if we yeah. if we knew we were, say we were in sixth or seventh, and you get. Docked six nine points, you'd be like a oh, bastard. But mm. the team in our position are like, I know, we've just about got seven points on the board. It, it, it'd ruin us for a little bit, wouldn't it? It'd be hard to recover, I think. So, anyway, it crippled the confidence of the football club. But I also think Everton as a team that'll bounce back from that. I think if you're going to do it, if you're going to sort of get a points deduction, our fan base and possibly the way. Sean Dyke should get the players with a little bit of a point to prove. Like, look what they've done. Go and, go and save yourselves. Go and, be, go and show them they shouldn't have done that sort of thing. And I think we'd yeah. get behind that as well. I think we'd feel very much... Do you wasn't got again. a points deduction in the lower league. Was it Wigan? And they, they went on a mad run. Yeah, that'd like twelve. Didn't he get Doc like 12 points yet? And he, just, yeah. he made it all up instantly. Yeah, Something yeah. Like that. And then he got to zero. And then they're still like fifth from bottom. But if they... Yeah. We didn't, they'd be like second or something, but yeah, sort of galvanized. I don't know what you mean, yeah, yeah. Right now, if it was to happen right now, Paul, obviously, because it's so tight down there and you've still got Burnley, Sheffield United, Luton, and Bournemouth, these types of teams, it wouldn't be as bad, yeah, uh, true. that's true. Do you know what I mean? You'd sort of go, but we've still got ground here. If we win one game, we go on one point, and we're like two, three points behind these three. Um, if it was to happen. In April, it'd kill you. You just, depending on where you are, but I think that'd be like nine points then, you could go. Even I think it'd be for the season up. after anyway. I think if, if we did get punished, and I don't think, oh God, such would, that we get a punish deduction, I think they'd probably take it off for the year after, in the new season, next season, you get what I mean? Yeah, start probably more. I don't, know, I, don't, I don't know how it actually works, to be honest with you, but as I say, it's just a bit scary, isn't it? because this is the first tribunal for FFP breaches, so... They could just get there and go, oh, this is nothing. We'll get them a £100,000 fine. Or, you know what, we'll make an example of them so nobody else does it and we'll take 12 points off them or nine or whatever. It's just there. Uh, it's all up in the air, isn't it? And then yeah. just got to wait and see again. But 
We'll slowly move on to the footy. We'll, uh, you know, we're just having a little bit of a catch up, but something came out last week. Uh, I don't know if anyone caught it. It was a podcast that the BBC done, special inside podcast. It was a uh, nothing will be the same with uh, Julia Bowles and Mark Chapman. I, I gave that a listen and work. It was it was really good. Like, uh, I was shocked by how good it was. To be honest, I thought because when it first started, I thought it started in November when we got beat. I think we got oh. When did we get beat? When did we get beat by Southampton? January, wasn't it? January, yeah. 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 I I think it started round about then anyway, when I went on my little rants and that and stuff. <laughs> and uh, I just thought, I don't know if I can be bothered reliving all this, but it gives you the good insight into Frank Lampard and the the players. From Apart from Decorey, it sounded like all the players really loved him. And everybody at the club loved him and everyone was gutted that it didn't work out for him. And I just thought it was a really good podcast. As I, I said to Andy yesterday in a private conversation we had, it you know, I've been against Sean Dyche, but that Julia Bolt sat down with Sean Dyche one one on one and he done another one with Ian Wallen and it's sort of it's made me like him a little bit more. He's a just an honest man, just down to earth. He doesn't sugarcoat anything and yeah, I thought it was really good and I just want to give a bit of praise to the club for allowing the BBC access full access as well when they were going through because you know the reason the podcast weren't in there is because they thought Evan were gonna have a good season. Because mm-hmm. Frank Lampard, it was his first proper season. That's why they called it Nothing Will Be The Same. They thought we'd gone from a relegation battle to fighting for Europe. But we had actually gone worse. <laughs> so it just all imploded inside. So, yeah, I don't know if anyone caught that. Did anyone catch any of it? Yeah, yeah, I thought it was, quite, I thought it was really, really good. It was, quite, it was very insightful. I'm just glad it wasn't a Netflix documentary. But um, I just... I think it was brilliant. Me personally, you know, it's not the way they wanted it to go, but as you say, it changed. I think it's changed a lot of opinions. Listening to it, you do, you still get that sense of I wanted Lampard to succeed, but when you get towards yeah. sort of Dice and Dice saying, you know, when that he's been around football this long, when that goal went in, he's never heard anything like it type thing. I don't know. I. I I just think it was a really, really good sort of insight to how bad things got. Yeah. Well, Andy, you know, Sean Dyche, he, he actually says something and he says he was at Burnley for nine years. He could get one book out of it. He was at Everton for three months. He could write three. Mm-hmm. So what is going on at Everton Football Club? He, he, even he's came in and gone, oh, my God. Do you think it's just that much of a mess behind the scenes? No, I, I think a lot of people say, Frank Lampard said it as well, I think a lot of people they look at Everton from the outside and they know it's history, they, they, they know it's got a strong fan base, they know it's a big club, but I don't think they realise how big and how intense it is until you actually like yeah. come inside the doors, so I think that's what he means by that is the Everton bubble is, yeah, yeah, it's, you know we don't we don't get favourable press coverage, we never for, for in my lifetime we never have like even when we were taken over by Mashiri, there was no big like oh these are going to be the next powerhouse, you know they, they've got everything already in place, they've already got the stadium, they've been right up nice. there for the most of the last 12 to 15 years um, they're going to kick on now, whereas even Newcastle were kind of in the relegation zone now don't get me wrong, I know that they've got more money than Mashiri has but automatically everyone couldn't wait to talk about Newcastle in a really positive way and how they're going to go on to do amazing things before they even had. Um, so I, I think what, I think some people's perceptions are is that Everton are 
you know, they're a, they're a nice, but, you know, they're a medium-sized club, but we're not. We're absolutely fucking massive. And I think once you come through those doors, you you really feel it. You feel how it means to everybody. Um, and there's always this old adage that Everton, you know, as long as you run, they'll, they'll clap you. That's not necessarily true. Like, you do have to have a, a bit of quality as well. But all that we ask, all that, you know, Evertonians think is, is that, if we're working our bollocks off for each other, if we are doing the basics really well, that's a great platform to start from. So we we appreciate that and we'll applaud it. But we, we of course expect people to to build from that. And I think that's what Sean Dyche is starting to realise now is that it's one thing doing one side of the game, but we also need to progress progress as well. Uh, and I think we all wanted Frank Lampard to succeed, but I think he tried to run too soon. We still needed to be more compact. We still needed to be harder to beat. We still need to do those basics very well. Um, it wasn't very well backed in the summer either. Um, and I think he tried to implement his own style far too quickly. And ultimately, that's why it failed for him. But uh, as I said to you yesterday, though, Paul, like that, that, that's the great thing about listening to these podcasts is that sometimes you might only get to see Sean Dyche do you know, a press conference once every couple of weeks or a uh, uh, after match interview, when of course he's going to be emotional, he's going to he's going to be happy if we've won, he's going to be upset if we've lost. But when you actually get to hear in depth and uh, conversations with him, really intelligent reporting, clever questions, it gives you the chance to make a different opinion of him. So fair play to obviously BBC for doing that, and, and obviously it's had a, a, an impact on yourself. Yeah, Jamie, there's a few um, things that while I was listening to it, and I don't know if you got the same. After listening to it, sorry, I, I was like, how did we stay up last season? Because there was there was parts in that show where I was like, geez, because we were living it at the time, so maybe you're just you're rolling with the punches a little bit, but there was the Newcastle game at home where you heard the atmosphere at the end and you heard that Julia Bolt sound like she's nearly in tears getting out of a car, like because she's a blue as well, by the way. She got yeah. home, she was like, I, I don't think we can stay up here. I think we're finished. And that's how we felt at the time, didn't we? We also had Fulham at home where we were like, it's impossible for us to stay up. How are we going to stay up? And then all of a sudden that Brighton game pops up and it was that Brighton game that saved us. It it, it made me realise it even more now. It was just like that result just came out of the blue completely. But there was parts last season when you asked me questions here where we were gone, weren't we? We were, we were actually gone. Like, Oh, mate, 100%. And remember me and you done the, uh, the Newcastle game and I think we said four words to each other. We just kept looking at the screen, looking at the floor. <laughs> Looking at each other, sighing, big puppy eyes at each other because it was yeah. bad. It was it was so bad. Um, you know the Fulham game, just just loads of different games. Even like the West even Ham the City away. game, and you know you're supposed to get beat against City, but even that, I thought was just like, oh shit, here we go yeah. again. Yeah, it was even like the West Ham game beat away. Lampard obviously last game, them coming out, it just seemed like it was one thing after another. You know the Anthony Gordon thing, the Yerry Mina thing. We could never just get beat and move on to the next week. It was always something in between. Yeah. To just that knockout blow and you just someone would do something or say something. He's just like head block gate or this type of caper comes out. And I was just like, oh, can't take no more. And I think that's what we all felt like. We can't take any more of this. And you could name loads of games, mate. You know, Southampton at home, Leicester at home, Wolves at home. You know, Newcastle was one where we all thought under the lights get behind them. Man United away. Man United away. Yeah, you know, there was just loads. Was it Tottenham away as well where they just 
I think he dismantled us to Tottenham away, and it was just that Brighton game. Honestly, you look back now and you think, how did that even how? happen? Yeah. Genuinely, how, how did that how happen? Did we do that? Yeah, it was like I think I remember watching that Gary Neville thing, and he he put us the shock of the season. Everton, you know, all these things that happened, and Everton beating Brighton five one was just like wow. When it did, listen, it did kickstart us. I know we play, had to play Man City at home. The, the did you realise that we were second from bottom going into that game? You see, you just blare things out, don't yeah, you? Yeah, just... I, I, I can't remember that. I couldn't. I was like, Jesus, where are we? It's like yeah. maybe we just went through a point. We were like, don't look at the table, don't look at the table. I I think that's that where now. we were at at the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it just it come out of. I remember sitting there, me watching it. I think we, we, I still, as I say this all the time, I'm still actually waiting for Brighton to score. Um, and it was just horrible. It was just a horrible. It was a boss game to be a watch, but it was a horrible yeah. game to be a part of because it was just like. This can't be real. There's something going on here. This is am I watching Premier League years or something? This this is not real. And then Decore obviously pops up with that goal. That's how close we were, Paul. If he are volleys that over the bar, yeah. we're gone. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think that's we... the beauty of the uh, the podcast as well, is when you're watching something like you say, if it's on Netflix or Prime, they control the narrative, but when you're only listening to it. Obviously, you listen to it, but you're reliving your own memories at the same time. You're Definitely, yeah. reliving those feelings that you had. And I think that's what's so wonderful about that podcast is, obviously, you know, some of us, we'd have been at the games for some of them. We'd have, like, might have had to watch some of them on TV, particularly the away games. And you're reliving those things so vividly. Um, that Yeah, that I think that's what's so good about it is because we've, we've all got that emotion that gets recreated from us. And, like, that Brighton game, thing that will always live with me is that we were 3-0 up like what, I don't know 25 minutes to go and I didn't feel safe we were 4-1 up and I thought we were still going to lose is it? Oh, oh, no, not draw we, lose whenever we got the fourth and I was like right I can relax now and then they scored literally 10 seconds later and I was like oh, yeah. shit I can't yeah, um, yeah mad. but you know they will show that when you re-watch that game back as they have done the the I've got a lot of respect for a lot of the players on the pitch that day for executing a counter-attacking play, having full faith and belief in each other after... Because there's only twice in the last two years where I thought, fuck, we're down. And that was after the Newcastle game and then the year before at half-time against Crystal Palace. Um, and we turned... We, you know, they went and turned it around quickly against Crystal Palace and did it in the same game. And obviously, this time they went to Brighton and and... And did that, and yeah, I'm I'm getting goosebumps now, just like thinking about it, talking to you boys. So yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, imagine podcast, it, Imagine if they were FA Cup semi finals. You know what I mean? These are games to to survive. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. Do you know one game that fair, I, I did just remember after looking now, and it was the game I thought this is it was when we got beat by Villa two nil at home. Yeah, we played and well we... that day as well. Yeah, that's what I thought. I remember, I remember watching it, thinking, "This is it. We're this. We are the Villa that went down because we were yeah. trying to. We the games were playing well, in we're getting beat. So that was. I remember that game. I was just like, "Nah, you can't, you can't play well and still get beat and stay in the Premier League." And God, don't know how, but we're here. I think it was Fulham think... for me. Fulham, it was Fulham at home. I think we all went into on, that on the national one. It was like a guaranteed three points. And listen, that that's being disrespectful to Fulham, but we just thought. As you say, Grand National Day, the sun's shining. We're playing at home. 
and it just it just went completely wrong. And that's off to Fulham. They they were well a better team that day. But I remember coming out the ground going, Nah, I think we're finished here. Mm-hmm. I said that a few times last season, by the way. But yeah, really, but, I mean, really, really felt it that day. Like even against Newcastle, we didn't actually do that bad for about sixty minutes. No. But then I think I, I can't remember it was when the second or the third goal went in. Like you just saw the players just go like because I think they all thought we've actually not done too bad here and we're, we're getting battered. And they just... said that though. Dyke said he said he didn't like the the fact that we were playing well and we conceded one, and then you just seen everybody's head fall off. He never yeah. said them words, but he that's basically yeah. that's my scouse way of putting it across. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's heads just completely fell off, and the confidence just got drained out of them. Yeah, it was. Um, but but again, probably going back to this season, we've had a lot of those this season where we've actually you think actually we've played quite well there, and then you get the same beat, teams so... as well, the same mm-hmm. teams yeah. as well. Yeah, Fulham, Fulham. Wolves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we played Wolves on Boxing Day last season. We think Yerimina scores. And we thought, right, happy Christmas, here we go. And we lost last game. Oh, yeah, we the battered them. And, yeah, that yeah. Ignore scored in the last minute, didn't he? How funny yeah, is that, just, actually? Yeah. That, that Yerimina scores in the last kick of the game against them. That Wolves. Of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah that was a, was a pivotal moment. I mean, that was something that we didn't realise at the time. Was that, that, that was a vital point for us in the end, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Just for the belief, even if for nothing else, just for the belief that we could stick in a game till the very end. Uh, and he got the assist. Michael Keane. Yeah. 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 Just sticking with that podcast, though, I've still got a few things I want to talk about. Uh, Jamie, I'll come to you again. I don't know whether you thought it listening to it, I thought it just got more embarrassing. I was actually cringing walking around and work listening to that headlock stuff. It just, that was just. <laughs> Completely made up, and I know we've we've covered this before on the podcast, but more more stuff's come out about it. It was just embarrassing, that wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, when that Mark Chapman giving his GOE sort of like taking the piss as well, saying no police report, no no one's filed a report on the police or not, and it was just like, what are the club? What were the club doing to us in that little period there? It was just it was just embarrassing. They were never going to recover from that, were they? No, that was it. Um, I remember that Paul. You remember the the march? You stood outside. I mean, me and you, yeah. Yeah, Sam yeah, Hampton. and I, I just remember thinking the whole thing just went dead. I think we done a coach welcome, and I said to you, "How embarrassing is this? We're doing a coach yeah, welcome yeah. against Southampton, the bottom of the league in January." Um, and then that come out, and it was like, "This, this is this real?" No, and then they made a war. They made a civil war between us and them, and they lost. Well, one of them still here. No footage, mate. There's no footage still, still to this day. It just didn't happen. I mean, you can get filmed. If, if, if you walk out the house now to walk the shop and you trip over, I guarantee somebody's filming out the window, <laughs> falling over. It's just the way it is now, isn't it? Paul, if you throw a bottle, if you throw a bottle on the pitch in the 15th, 17th, 17th minute, by half-time, you've been found and you're out that ground by half-time. Of course. That lad so, did it, didn't he? He's Villa, Roger Tweedle. Oh, did he? Yeah, he threw the bottle at Lucas Dini, didn't he? And he... Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Sorry, yeah. Um, he so, yeah. apparently our CEO's been put, has been chickened and no one's seen anything. No. <laughs> it's just embarrassing. It's just like, I don't know how they thought he could get away with it. It was just like... And they repeated in the in that podcast, over and over, Bill Kenwright wouldn't speak to them. But then he's, then he's back and there wouldn't speak to them. Don't really want to talk too much about that time, but I just thought, like... How embarrassing was that, Andy? It was just like it was just completely made up, wasn't it? it was... But yeah, I, 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 I would 
I was actually just trying to find the tweet that I put at the time because I can't, I can't remember it word for word, but I remember tweeting at the time something along the lines of what you just said there, Paul, like you trip over, like in the dark of the night, just pop into your local shop, it's on camera. Yeah. Um, what you should be doing is, that's the reputation of your football club. If you're Farmashiri, Bill Kemmer, whoever it may be, whoever has leaked this fiction to the press, if you're, that, that's the reputation of your football club. So you should be doing everything you can to kind of keep that in-house anyway. Do you know what I mean? Because all you're doing is, you know, you're making your own club look stupid. You're making your own club look bad. But somebody somewhere thought we need a distraction here and to put that out. And I think that's that shows where their heads, heads are at or, or were as a board, that they thought they were more important than the fans. Yeah, and you don't not, shit on well, your own doorstep, mate. No, and there isn't. Uh, it's not just Everton. There isn't a single club in the country where the people who are running that football club are more important than the fans. The fans are the fans are the people who run that football club. Like they're custodians that have it for a short period of time. Um, yeah, and it makes you feel a bit. Makes you just feel really embarrassed for people that they that they that they did this and now I'm not saying that Denise and Bill Cameron didn't get told to fuck off and I'm, I'm sure if oh, yeah, they, probably people, had, they probably had a bit of hate mail and stuff yeah, like that yeah and I'm sure if there's Definitely. people you know if there's five or six lads and they're within five metres telling you to fuck off I'm sure it might be a bit scary and intimidating but they're, but they're only doing that because they care about their football club they're not coming to attack you personally they're saying that you're doing a shit job fuck off and yeah. Like it just got spun in such a horrible way. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just glad that we've seen the back of most of them and we'll see the back of all of them very soon. Yeah, it's just uh, just thinking back now, it's just like, what? That's all I could think of at the time. Is that, like, you're you're messing. Well, just anyway, bad. yeah, hopefully, hopefully that's behind us now. Last thing I want to mention about that podcast, I'll come to you, Andy. I was massively, massively impressed with Kevin Telwell on it. I was, I have to be honest. It sounds like he has a vision for Everton. Now, he's actually admitted that he would like the club to run as Brighton runs. He said, but it's just not possible at the moment. So it, we're basically living day to day to day because we don't have the funds and it's uncertainty. We've had, he said we've had, what, is it eight managers in seven years? Yeah. Or eight, something like that. So I just thought it was refreshing. There's been people calling... Wait, where's this interview with Kevin Tellwell? He's promised us, and there it is. He must have obviously told Julia Bold and the BBC, I'll give the interview to you. Or done, he's done it with Mark Chapman, sorry. He sat down and had a full-on conversation with him. But I just thought it was really good. And I uh, don't want to talk too soon. We've been here before, but it sounds like we're in good hands with him moving forward if we get a good takeover and we start progressing on the pitch and he has money to spend. It looks like he does have a vision for Everton. I think the most impressive thing about Kevin Farewell is I think he's shown how adaptable he is in the sense of he's had to, since he's come in, he's had three different managers. He's had uh, different people in, or probably told different things. I can't imagine he was sold this particular version of Everton by Mashiri when we agreed to hire him. I'm sure he thought he was going to have more money to spend. He was going to have, you know, a bigger scope. He's worked, I think he's worked really well with what he's got. And again, as we talked about before, I think when you come into Everton, you realise what a big club it is, what a fantastic club it is. 
I think he strikes me as a person who who's like, well, I'm really aware of that. Um, so it's yeah, not so much I, of blue. Is he? Awesome. That, yeah, so, he, was, he, was, he yeah. didn't actually mention who he, he didn't actually mention that he was on. I think he did probably grown up. He did support Liverpool. I think that's basically the gist of what I was getting at Kevin Hellwell. Possibly could be wrong there, could support a Tramier or someone like that. But well, he said his, his dad's a massive blue, so he said he's got his dad on the phone to him. Basically, what's going on, lads? And he's like, you're, you're, are, you're, but... supposed to be me, you're supposed to be me dad, and you're asking me what's going on, you know what I mean? So, yeah, <laughs> Will it be like... Merseyside Derby week? I'm actually, uh, I, I listened to it a few years ago, but I'm re-listening to Peter Reid's book, and obviously he grew up as a, a Reds, and his Red, dad yeah. was a Reds, uh, until he came to Everton, and it's like, you couldn't find somebody who's more blue now. So I don't think it's necessarily a, a bad thing like that he did that. I mean, even Connor Cody now, like when he does interviews now, he talks about us when he talks about yeah. Everton. So um, like I said, I, I think he appreciates like how how special we are and what a big opportunity it is. Um, and I think, like I say, I think he's certainly earned the right to um, be given time to implement what he wants to implement. And Touchwood... Under new ownership, he'll get to run it how he wants to run it instead of obviously we bought Marcel Branson who got to do, I don't know, 50% of it. And then there'd be a player machine he wanted to buy just because he could. And then there'd be a couple of players the manager wanted to buy. And you can't run a football club that way. You, what you want to do is run a club with one vision, essentially, all get on board behind it. So if something does happen, a manager has to be let go or touch wood, we a manager gets poached because we're doing really well and he has yeah. to go somewhere else that you can bring somewhere someone else in and it's all about the same philosophy and you know that's what they do uh, and, you know that that's the way to run a football club these days and um yeah i i, I think i'm not going to say he's definitely the right man but i i certainly feel confident that he could be and i'm happy that he's he's a man that we're going to give time to touch wood yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm not kissing his ass and saying he's the right man for us or nothing. I'm just, I just thought it was refreshing to hear the way he, he spoke. He, he said he went through a lot of lows last season, and he is basically pla- He did. He said he reluctantly had to make plans for us in the championship as well. He said because it would be pointless not doing that because it was an actual real possibility that we go down. But yeah, Jamie, you want to come in there? And I just want. Before, I know you're going to move on soon, but I just wanted to come on to a question that I've. Been thinking about. I wanted to ask you and uh, Andy and people that are listening as well. When seven 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 take over, it who's the one person that Mashiri's had in his reign? Player, manager, you know, coach, uh, director of football. Would you have back just the one? Who would they bring back that he's got so, rid of? Yeah, so seven seventy. Yeah, it's got to be on it. Yeah, it's a strange one, really, because. Yeah, it would be Ancelotti, but also, I think at the time, especially with what's transpired with Ancelotti moving on, obviously to Real Madrid, you can't blame him for that. I, I think we'd have been better off appointing David Moyes at that time. Only because I don't think it, it um, wasn't something we couldn't pass it up though, could we? That no, 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 no. How I, I'm, I'm not saying that at all, mate. Yeah. Like I say, I, I'm just saying how things have transpired. I think it would have been better for us yeah. in the long term. But on the flip side of it. I'd love to have seen what we could have achieved if A, Real Madrid hadn't have come knocking for Ancelotti and B, if we'd have got him at the start of Mashiri's tenure where we actually had, we could throw money about willy-nilly and Ancelotti could have a, an influence on the, the people that we were bringing in. Um, 
that could have been a, a real fun ride, but yeah. I think there's also uh, like a, yeah. there's a sliding doors moment where we don't get battered far too by Liverpool at Anfield. Marco Silva comes out of it with a decent result and we give him a little bit more time and see where we could have gone with him. But results at the time were just that bad. I don't think the club had any choice yeah, at the time. I, I think Marco Silva is a very good coach and I think he'll go on to prove that. I think just I think the Everton job was just three or four years too early for him. I think he needed to learn something because there was like he separated the senior team and the academy and um he made things I think quite tense at the training grounds, like trying to obviously put his authority across and I think there's a balance you need to get which he didn't quite get right, which had a had an effect on how things went on the pitch. Which I'm sure, you know, as a young manager, particularly when you're not a big name you know, he wasn't a, you know, a, a massive name as a player. Um, so I think, yeah, I think he's just one where I think he is a, a fantastic coach and will go on to a very good career. He, he just got the Everton job a few years too soon. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that. Um, just the last points, Jamie, on Kevin Telwell. He spoke about the January transfer window. And he said we did. I think he not a lot of money to spend, but he, we did have targets in mind. Obviously, targets fell through. Decided to sign G- Dan Juma, that fell through. So it got to a point where they could assign players just for the sake of signing a player. But he he basically said they weren't the right fit for Everton. Now in the past, I think Everton would have just signed that player anyway, and we would have been left with them for three or four years. I think he's probably learned his lesson with Neil Morpé. To be honest with you, I think he knew deep down that he wasn't the right fit for Everton. So I think he's probably seen that one. You know, things happen to you in your life and you don't do it again, do you? So he's probably looked at that. But is it refreshing to hear that we just didn't buy a player just for the sake of it, just to appease the fans? So he's he's actually put a lot of forward thinking into it and gone, you know what? Let's wait and let's let's keep our let's keep our money and our powder dry and just go again in the summer. Yeah, definitely. It was it's nice to it's quite refreshing that he's taken that side of it as well. He's splitting them, he's splitting the fans sort of reaction and pressure to his job. He's not like, oh, I need to sign a player. These are on my case. Uh, his dad must be ringing him saying, what's happening? Where's the striker? Yeah. He's taking it away. He's taking that emotion out of it and going, right, is he right for someone dice? This is what a director of football's job is. And it's nice to see him actually doing it. Um, is he right for Sean Dice? Is he right for the football club? What's his family like? All these type of things that he's meant to look into. He's looking into. He's just not going... Would you need centre forward? Yeah, well, is my mate who played up front for Wigan? Sorry, Dandy. Um, you know, <laughs> sign in for 10 million quid and we've got, you know, Will Grigg and you're like, oh, yeah, Will Grigg. It's no. On fire. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's really, really refreshing. And I'm sort of glad he's the man leading us forward as well. I know when he come in, he did make his mark by getting rid of Davey Unsworth and stuff like that. And, you know, he changed the back, he changed the youth academy quite a lot. So he's putting his own mark on the football club and that's that's good, that's what we want. And he's being allowed to as well. He's being allowed to do what Marcel Brands and Craig Shakespeare probably never... Uh, was it Craig Shakespeare? No, Steve Walsh. Walsh. Steve Walsh, sorry. Um, Craig Shakespeare never... was there with Allardyce, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah sorry. Two, yeah. He used to carry the two balls, didn't he? Sorry, yeah. He's yeah. not well, actually, sorry. So um, I hope he gets better soon. The... The Steve Welsh, the Marcel Brands of the world, they never got to probably do what Kevin Talwell's doing now because there was that much pressure to succeed here and now. Where Kevin Talwell's probably come in and gone, lad, get us out of this, get us out of this trouble here. Just 
we'll leave you alone. Just work your magic. And he's doing it. Ian's doing it. Yeah. Um, just the last thing before we move on to the derby then. Obviously, Everton came out with a statement last week about Bill Kenwright saying that he, he hasn't been well. He's uh, had a major operation and he's recovering at home. We say all the time on this podcast, we don't particularly like Bill Kenwright as the chairman of Everton Football Club. It's nothing to do with his personality or... You know, obviously, he's someone's dad, he's someone's husband. There's people love him, and we wish him well and a speedy recovery. It's a uh, yeah, goes beyond football. It's not even about football, lad. There is more important things in life than football, and yeah, we wish him all the best there. Like so, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, well said, Paul. Yeah. Um. So yeah, let's get on to <sighs> the derby. Oh, the toffees. See you later. <laughs> Anti sheer pit. Castle Grace goal. Fucking. Here we go again. Uh. Everton versus Liverpool versus Everton, sorry. Half twelve on Saturday. Jamie, I'll come to you first. What's your main fear <laughs> going into? Wow. Go, I'll start off with fears and then hopes. I'll go yeah. into, what's your main fear when you go into a derby day? Don't get trolloped. Don't be embarrassed. Yeah, that's mine as well. Don't walk out and don't make me embarrassed. Just you know if you get beat, get beat, but make them beat you. That's all yeah. I ever want. Um, just don't embarrass me, mate. That's all. Listen, I've, I'm 31, and I think I've seen ever that I can remember win once, and there was no fans in there. Um, so what I can remember anyway, you know, obviously Kevin Campbell and stuff we, like that. Yeah, we've got uh, we've we've got Kevin Campbell and Franny Jeffers having a fight with Sander Best about to fall back on just about me and Paul. But yeah, if you <laughs> yeah. if you're younger than us, yeah, you've only got. Uh, yeah, the, oh, yeah, I've got the Richarlis and, and Hammers, yeah. I can remember that day really well in 99. I remember being... It was really Monday night, Yeah, I remember being really sick and I was off school, so I couldn't even go in. But I actually genuinely was sick. I wasn't blagging it, so I couldn't go into school the next day and, oh. and brag about Everton beating Liverpool. I was off for the week, like, but listen, it was worth it at the time. like. But uh, yeah. Andy, I'll ask you the same. I, I'm pretty much the same as Jamie. I, I'm just like, yeah, please don't get battered by them. That's all I want. It's a sad way to think, but that's just the way it's become over the, the last few years. They seem to have got our number. I'll say it all the time. I think they could go on the street to Liverpool, find 11 smackheads and go, listen, there's a red shirt. We're playing against this team called Everton and they still find a way to beat us. So I just think they've got our number. But what's your worst fear going into the derby? Yeah, just the, the thing I'm, I, I was worried about for a long time is that the time... the, the and don't get me wrong, it was the only the odd occasion that we turned up there because we have got a big inferiority complex when we went to play there. Yeah, I'm a big fan of what David Moyes did, but I hated going away to Liverpool. Oh, he didn't have a clue, did he? Big no. It just it just seemed to take all the confidence out of the players before they went out on the pitch. Um but the, nice the times that we have gone there and played quite well, we get we just seem to get shocking refereeing performances and the pressure that's already being put on the referee for this week after what happened at Tottenham. Now, don't get me wrong, what happened at Tottenham was it's probably the worst VAR decision that we've had out of all the terrible VAR decisions that we've had. There's no mistake Certainly about an that. offside one. Certainly for offside, it was just shocking, oh, wasn't it? Yeah. I don't know what um, you're talking about. It was a great decision. <laughs> but then when you listen to the audio, you can hear how gutted they are because, one, they, it's their profession, they've made a mistake, but two, if they make that... Again, it's the Wolves, a Bournemouth... And Everton, yeah, it it's a footnote. The fact that they've made it against Liverpool, they know that it's just going to be blown up out of all proportion. 
and it's been hammered and hammered and hammered all week in the media, all over social media. There's so much pressure on Craig Paulson going into the weekend. Um, yeah, I just hope that if we do turn up and we put a, a shift in, we just don't get screwed over because we we have. I don't care what anybody says. The amount of decisions we've had go against us against those bastards in the last twenty five years. When the few times we have turned off is ridiculous. So I just want to see a referee just referee the game right. Yeah. Um, Instantly, while you were speaking there, the first incident that popped on my head was a ball hitting the back of Don Hutchison and rolling into the back of the net, and yeah, it blew for I mean, full time. And Graham Paul's even been... he says yeah, in he his he says in his book now doesn't he doesn't that he why. guessed and yeah. he he got it wrong and I mean the Lescott one I mean this is Jamie Redknapp's autobiography and he actually has a he has a lot of time for it and I enjoyed his autobiography but. I still could never like the guy for sitting in that studio afterwards and they showed the replay of Carragher essentially body slamming Jamie Rest Les- sorry, Jamie, Jolie and Lescott. And he just sat there going, No, it's not a pen. And then the the next time Everton were on, he was there and he did this really cheesy apology about how he got caught up in the emotions. I don't give a shit, mate. It's up to me to get caught up in the emotions. You're there to be a pundit. Uh, and at that time, like, oh, I didn't put my TV through. I don't know, because it's one of the worst decisions you've ever seen. But, you know, even I remember Jack Rodwell getting sent off for a tackle on Luis Suarez, where he barely touched him. Um, that same game, it, he, the Carragher one, where he hauls Lesko to the floor, when Dirk Kite on a flying kick on Phil Neville. Yeah. And he ended up scoring uh, the winner, the SWAT. Uh, yeah, and the two-footed challenge by Gerard on Naismith is about as you can see. And there was one, and it again, what annoys me about the week, it never got any, um, never got any. It was a, we had to, it was a nil-nil draw, and Gerard did a straight leg on Lee Carsley. Now Lee Carsley, being the guy that he is, just got up and just like you know, but it was an absolute horror. But they didn't they didn't show a replay. There was no talk about it afterwards. But I remember Lee Carsley went up to us. They walked up at half time and said, "You're a." prick for that and he was right it was an absolute horror challenge but it just never got any mention because again it's how the media captain is running fan, it captain fantastic done it that's right yeah um so yeah, cold so... as well by the way yeah that goal as well just a few me the, the horror one for me yeah, which it's... was just Everton's fault completely it's still the Uri you on I mean that'll just haunt me till the end till the day I die that one oh the hell <laughs> fall that I was, was talking about that one I mean I, I hated Jordan Pickford for a good three years after that like it was horrible. I hated them. Mate, but that's because, mate, it wasn't his fault. It's because they've sold their soul to the devil for, so I don't know what they're going to get in return. Because I remember that game. I was about 12 minutes ago, I'm dying for, for lose. So as soon as he's come out to Van Dyke, 30 yards out, and he bit that shot, and he's gone. He's turned away from he, me? Yeah, he's gone bananas in the air. I've started leaving the room going, yeah, right, we've got a point. And I'm starting literally just about out of the room going through a piss. And I was like, fuck, that's banana in back in. And then he's misses it. He's not just misses it, he's missed it that bad. He's managed to come back down and land in the most awkward position for Pickford. And yeah, Pickford should have done better, but it still annoys me because we had Zuma, who was playing to the front of another one, and he just didn't react at all. And Origi didn't. Yeah, and you just think, what the fuck? Yes. I, I know Klopp, Klopp got loads of stick for him on the pitch afterwards. I wouldn't give him stick. If that were me, I'd be on fucking pitch as well. You score a 96 minute winner in a derby. He can do what he wants to me. There's lots of things I don't like about him, but that doesn't bother me. Do you know um, the one that gets me, and it still haunts me when Manny scored by Christmas? Oh God, yeah, that was about another bad oh, one. It was yeah. a storage at the post, and it just dribbled across. Yeah, and it, it just it just fell straight to him, and he just. I mean, that's up the other end. That just goes to a little pool defender, and he kicked it out for the throw in. You know what I mean? It's just like 
I'll I'm never forget that. Standing there, it's just there's just that again another another time where my soul left me, me body inside <laughs> the ground because and I, I'm like fairly close to the Liverpool fans as well. And you're like they had all them Bertie tw- happy twenty first Bertie mm. celebrations up, you know, for not winning the trophy and all that. And, then every, and if any time... if any of them are listening to this, they're gonna be made up. But you shouldn't be yeah. listening yeah, to it anyway. You gobshed. Yeah. <laughs> but any any time we play New Christmas now, we get man a Christmas. Fuck off. But yeah. yeah, it's. But do you know what? I give it exactly the same. Mate. I think that that's the whole part of football in it. But I just don't get how they get so many spawny things, and we just get so few. But um, look, this season should have, be bad. Should have paid. Had, should have paid the fucking rent, mate. That's what we should have done. Yeah. We, had, we had a horror show against Villa. We had a horror show first half against Doncaster. We were abjected, not in our performance against Arsenal, so to speak, but in terms of our approach to the game. So I just hope that we've learned from that. We turn up and we don't just sit there waiting to get beat. I'm not. I'm not saying take the game to them. You go into Anfield; they're playing well at the moment. But give yourself an opportunity to do something within the game, um, like against Arsenal. We never did, uh, yeah. and that was at home. So I just hope that Dice has learned from that and. You know, we go out there with a game plan and we execute it. And yeah, you know, if you offered me a, a good performance and a point, I'd take it. So yeah, uh, I was going to come on to the game, and we will come back to the game. But there is something I, I want to discuss, and it, it it's concerning the major side. Darby, Jamie, I'll come to you. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if you're like me. I've a lot of my close friends, best friends, uh, are Liverpoolians. Yes, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I love them and my mates. You know what I mean? I hate them when it comes to Liverpool, obviously, but. Because Everton have been so shite in the last few years, they, they don't even mention Everton to me, or it's just like a case of patting you on the head and like, oh, you've done well today, didn't you? And, you know, <laughs> oh, you should be safe, you should stay up, don't worry yeah. about it and all that. So all of that, hate, all of that hatred and, you know, it's gone. And and, and there's not even like a build-up in the city anymore, whether you, to a major Zardar, because I honestly believe that for them playing us now, it's just like a, you might as well be playing Samia. Because we're just not relevant enough, and that, this and Everton will always be relevant to us. But in this, in as far as football is concerned, it, we're just well, light years away, aren't we? From it, and we just don't compete with them in these games enough, do we? To you know, you look at Tottenham Arsenal. That's a brilliant game. It's an absolutely brilliant game. Even Man City are really good now. Man United can can still beat them every now and then. Yeah, but we're just like we just turn up there. And it's just like, well, we're going to lose. And the fans, well, me personally, when they talk about me, I'm like, I don't expect nothing there. It's it's gone, as not as a fixture? That's my that's my question to you. I think it's gone. Yeah, it's it's a lot different, isn't it? It really is. It, there's no sort of... You're looking forward to that. You, you watch it, where are you watching the match? It's a bit... I think it's still on our side, because I think it's the thought of beating them. Well, I'm going... going. I'm, Going bananas if we if we win on Saturday, like don't yeah, exactly. And yeah, but I think because this because as you just said, it's such a golfing quality. I'm sorry to say it on an Everton podcast, and I love Everton, and I, I hate them we'll, more than anything. To but... me, we're gonna hope we're always hopeful that we're gonna get back to some sort of yeah level playing field if it ever has been one. But we're always hopeful that Everton will be the best team in the league. But yeah, sorry for the interruption there. Yeah. No, no, uh, you're right in what you're saying. Um. But I've got to be honest, if someone said to me now, lose both derbies but stay in the Premier League, I'd bite your hands off. I'm sorry, but yeah. I would. So I, I'd, I'd love to beat them. It'd be fantastic. I'd love to get a point. But I've got to be honest, 
when if someone turns around to me and goes, yeah, drink that, drink that milk, like off to the, the A team, I wake you up in an hour and a half and tell you the results. And then you go, yeah, you've got B2. Oh, yeah. I'll just go with that. Okay. And just carry on with my day. You know, it, it hurts. I hate getting beat by them. I hate everything about them. I hate everything about them. them. Just them. But when it comes down to it, when they beat us now, it's more of a, an acceptance. We accept getting beat by them, which we shouldn't and we won't. And it'll, it'll never stay like this. Um, but right now, in the present moment, if it, you know, it's not the end of the world if we get beat by them, if that makes sense. Yeah, as long as we don't get battered. Yeah, if we get beat by them, they'll be go, oh, yeah, all right. You know what yeah. I mean? And I think I think Andy's point on board. If we get beat, I don't want to get beat 1 0 and it's a pen that shouldn't have been a pen. Yeah. But. There'll just... be people screaming now, go and listen to these saying it. You know, we get beat, it's okay. I don't, we don't mean it like that. What, no. we, what we mean is it's just because I think we've just become that hardened to it all now that it's just like, well, if we do get beat, we know how to, we've, we've done it before, so we'll just Definitely. get on with it. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, 100%. It's, 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 you know, no one expects anything then. And listen, when that ball's kicked, I hope we volleyed every single one of them. I genuinely yeah. do. And I hope if we can't beat them, I hope we take half the team out injured for the next six months. Yeah. I, I do. And that's the hatred I've got for them. As you said before, my two best mates are Liverpool fans. They'll both be there on Saturday. I haven't spoke to them all week. I don't want nothing to do with them. But on Sunday, I'll probably, if they, you know, maybe next Wednesday, depending on the result. Or if we draw, you'll probably send them a text to say, fancy going out or something. Because everyone's yeah. all right then, aren't they? Yeah, well, last year, funny enough, in the derby last year, the Conor Cody goal, um, my mate was sat in the away end. And obviously, I was sat in the Gladys seat. And he rang me and was like, and then we ended up having a pint. I forget where the pint. I'm literally within half an hour of each of calling each other everything under the sun to having a pint yeah. with each other. So meet again. Yeah, just meet again. But no, listen, when that ball gets kicked on Saturday, I hope I just hope all three stands fall in and it's just the Annie Road on its own. Yeah. Just sat there. Well, it's not even there, is it? Well, you know, that bit. That's all the bit. I do. That's that's how much. I, honestly, I hate them, and it comes from yeah. deep within. But it's not the end of the world if we get beat by them. And I mean that as in a football team. I mean that fo- in the football team. In we the grand to... scheme of the Premier League this season, you mean, yeah. When you go to City, mate, you go to City and you go, yeah, you know what's happening here. Shot on target, will do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when we get a corner and stuff like that. But yeah, you go to City, you go to Old Trafford, you go to what, Chelsea. These types of teams. You sort of go, yeah, we'll take a point. These are in that bracket. So it's just I can't I can't I'm trying to not give them Yeah, no, not what you mean. That, that's <laughs> what what aspirants to be that team though that goes to these grounds and goes, Listen, we can go and get a win here. Yeah. So I'm gonna do a, a complete turnaround here and I've had a listen, nobody's gonna like it. I think my hater for Liverpool, just because I've been so bad at the moment, isn't it's always there. It's burning deep down within my soul all the time. I can't stand them and as a I'll football try. club, I say most of my best mates are all Reds and I love them, but as the football club I'm talking about, it's just like, can't stand them, hate them, want them to liquidate, not exist anymore. I don't care if we never play a derby again, so as long as they don't exist and they all go crying forever, that'll do for me. <laughs> but I've had a look at their team. Um, I think we, I think we can get to them. I honestly really do. The only thing, because they are a good team, they, they are... Let's take take your Everton hat off for a minute. They're a good team, aren't they? He's a good manager. They're a good team. Yeah. The only thing that really worries me about Liverpool is Salah. 
because he's just a goal machine. He is an absolute goal machine. Even if he doesn't do nothing in a game, you score a goal. It's stopping him for me. Yeah. And I think if we can stop him, I think the midfield, we could win that midfield battle on paper. Don't win games of football on paper and all that. I don't think Van Dyke's what he used to be. Calvert Loon's fully fit. I think he can get it in. I think Andy Robertson is injured. God yeah. bless him. But yeah. uh, couldn't have happened to a nicer fella. Alexander Arnold can be got at someone like Harrison McNeil could have a goal with him. I think the, I think the goalkeeper's dodgy as well. People will be screaming at that, saying he's one of the best in the league. I don't think so. I think he's a bit dodgy, me personally. Uh, so yeah, I'm just going on a little bit of a ramble there, but. I think we can beat them. I do. But Salah's the one for me. How do we stop him? You volume as hard as you can. <laughs> um, you get sent off. No. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, don't get sent off. But if you're Michalenko, you, you, you're pulling on his shirt, you, you're lifting his shorts up, you're giving him a wedgie, you're scraping, <laughs> your, you know, you're scraping your, your studs down as Achilles, you're doing everything you possibly can. Now, listen, you don't want an angry Salah. That's something you don't want to do. I remember when we watched never the city game when we were, we were winding Haaland up and I said to you, "What are we doing here? <laughs> we're, we're making the beast angry a little bit." Um, just, just, just mark him out the game. Literally, just stand next to him. You no, know, whether you're Michelin or Patterson, I don't know what side Salah plays. I don't watch them to be honest. Yeah, he plays um, on the right mate. Does, so if you're Michelin or Ashley Young, you just literally don't let him walk. You don't let him take two yards of of space. Literally not two yards of space. It's every time he gets the ball, you're just hugging him. You're just hugging him all the time. And that, hopefully, is what I shall say to them. Do not give him a yard. Yeah. I just think he's one of them players, Salah. I just think he's... I never podcast, Paul. I keep trying to remind myself. I just think he's genuinely world-class that he will just... He can't mark him out of a game. He will just pop up with something. Do you get what I mean? Even if it's just that he'll just lash one from the edge of the box and it'll just fly in. I just think... He is worth a goal a game, isn't he? he? He's that good, but trying to stop him. But there is a few little, like, is it Sabozlai? Said that name correctly first time. Sabozlai, there you go again. Got McAllister, that's their first taste of a derby. So I think the midfield battle, Andy, is important on Saturday. Would you agree with that? Someone like Onana, who I think is in recent weeks is starting to turn up now. Um, James Garner and Zakore. I've got a feeling he might put Chris Gay back in. I hope not. I'd, I'd like to go with what beat Bournemouth, but yeah, just give us a, a rundown on your tactical analysis of the game, basically. Yeah, just uh, touching on just a couple of points you boys made, first of all. Uh, I know you said, obviously, uh, about your red mates in the city. Mate, I live outside the city, so there's more Liverpool fans around here than there is in <laughs> in the city itself, so don't worry about that, mate. There's fucking everywhere. Um just touching on Mikalenko, I don't disagree with anything that you boys have said, but it's two best performances for Everton, I think, have both been against Saka uh, at Arsenal, who somebody who plays on the right who wants to cut him onto his left foot. Um, and he's, he, he's marked him out of both games that he's played against him at Goodison uh, this year. Uh, and it, to be fair, I, I'm still going to go away to convince me that he's Everton's long-term left-back. But I have been... In, since the Doncaster game, anyway, I've been impressed with his form since he's come back into the side this year. So, uh, Touchwood, yeah. he, he has a good game uh, on on Saturday. But, yeah, the midfield battle, I think you're absolutely right. I think that is going to be key. Um, because I think what Liverpool's weakness at the moment is that balance in midfield. Obviously, they've got McAllister playing deeper at the moment. They've got Shabozlai playing a little bit deeper. That's not their, necessarily their natural positions. 
uh, and they have Endo, uh, sorry, has uh, that Endo been getting a game for that? He's at, I think he started one and came off after 60 minutes and he's come on in a, a couple. Um, ja- a Japanese fella? Yeah, he's 30-old Japanese. Oh, yeah. goal, he got that. rid of Hendo. Um, he got rid of Hendo and brought Hendo in. He needs to put Bell yeah. in the front of his name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, whenever I use the name, I just think of uh, Snoop Dogg for any people who listen to it back in the uh, rolling down the street, smoking Endo, sipping on Guinea Goose. But anyway, <laughs> uh, back to the midfield battle. Um, I think that's one area I think we we have a, a good balance in there at the moment. You know, Gan's looking really good. The core knows his role inside out. Um, so I think that is one area. Whilst we've got quality in there, I don't think the balance is right. So if we can, you know, if we can win that battle and, you know, I know Calvert-Lewin's not necessarily getting the goals at the moment, but he's looking like a proper number nine at the moment, like in his last couple of performances. Uh, I mean, some of his play against Bournemouth was just sensational. He just didn't get the goals to to back it up. Um, but, you know, we talked about this at the beginning of the season, like, let's go out and buy another number nine. Let's Calvert-Lewin know that not all the pressure's on him to be fit. Let him get himself fit and when he's ready, enjoy his football and have the pressure of not having, not being the only person fit, but the pressure of having to compete for his place. And, yeah, uh, and like I say, I, I'm really, really impressed with where he's at at the moment. And the goals will probably, um, so, but if he could put in a performance like he has done the last few weeks or before the international break, I agree. I think he's going to cause uh, Van Dyke and Gomez or Matic, whoever whoever's in there at, on, on Saturday, all kinds of trouble if we can get him the right service. And you know, McNeil's getting better and better every game as well. Coming back, uh, Jack Harrison is, is starting to show what he's about. His work rate is. Superb, but he's also got some quality as well as we saw with his finish against Bournemouth. So the balance. I think he'd be, up against, think he'd be up against Simicast one because I don't think Robertson's fit. Does he think he's done a shoulder? Oh, so, he? Yeah, he's out for eight weeks. Boo-hoo. Um, fallen speedy recovery for the uh-huh. squat anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. It's I, their front I, four I, for me. It's it's Jota. It's it's Luis Diaz at south for front three on Darwin Nunes. I mean, I know yeah. a lot of people don't rate him, but he he's rapid, isn't he? I mean, I, yeah, that from that from four is enough to trouble any team in Europe. Uh, yeah, of course it is, and you know Alexander Arnold is one of them. If you can get on top of him, you can cause him lots of problems. I mean, Gordon ripped him to shreds when we lost two 0 there a couple of years ago under Lampard. But also, if you don't get him going back the other way, if you give him time coming forwards, you know he has got a lot of the right foot. Yeah, but, me, yeah. but but you know you can get it in defensively. Um, so yeah, so I just hope, like I say, I just wanted to see us go there and just not shrink. Um, I'm not saying go out there and outplay him; it's not how we're going to do it. But you know, we talked about the Brighton game before. It's a perfect example of how you can absorb pressure, and if you hit people on 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 the counter attack with belief, purpose, and you execute, you can do something. Um, and yeah, I'm not saying we're going to go there and win five one, but I just want to see us go out there, not hide. Go out there, put yourself about. Yeah, for, yeah. I, I think Pickford will keep a clean sheet. To be honest, mate. So, uh... <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. I just and, and everybody knows, and I'm pessimistic, Paul. But I do actually think we've got enough to worry them. I really do. I think Onana will should be looking forward to games like this, where he's on the big stage, TV cameras. He's playing against the inexperienced Liverpool midfield. I think that Sabozlai looks like a good player, by the way. But I'm not. I'm not sure on McAllister. He probably scored a winner now. I've said that, by the <laughs> way. But um, 
Yeah, I just think there'll be battles all over the pitch, won't it, Jamie? Like you mentioned it, Andy mentioned it before, Jack Harrison. I think he can get at that Greek left back. It might could be someone like Go could even like Alexander Arnold play left back or Gomez or someone, I don't know. But God, you think I was like a Liverpool fan? I, I know everything about their team. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But yeah. no, someone like Harrison and that could could prove to be pivotal in a game like this, couldn't he? Yeah, definitely, especially with his pace. He's a, and he, he doesn't seem phased at Jack Harrison. It seems like he would relish playing in a derby. Um, he doesn't seem the type of player that'll sort of go, oh my God, I'm at Anfield, I'll go missing. He seems like he'll go, I'm happy with these. These are the games I, I live for. I've, I know we were talking about um, Salah before, but I just think as well, we, we've got things that could cause them problems. I know you said it, Paul, and you sort of... Ding something in my head. We've got Jack Harrison, we have got Dwight McNeil. Yeah, they're not on the same level as the other one, but we we can cause you problems as much as you can us. We can win that midfield battle easily. Easily win that. We get that ball to Jack Harrison, he's running that. Um, Timicass. Tell you what, I fancy Jack Harrison. You cross that ball for to to Carvel Lewin or Beto, whoever he goes with, they'll get in and around. Van Dyke, they'll get in and around whoever the Van Dyke plays with. I just think we can't have any fear. I think they they just sort of gotta take the fear out of them and go, listen, no one expects you to win anything. Go just go and play football. Just go and do what you're doing. Go and see, go and do what I taught you through the week and showed you what to do through the week. Just go and do it. And if you just get beat, okay, we move on, we go to West Ham. I, I think that's what the way we've got to approach the game. Just go and yeah. Play the game. Don't play the occasion of the derby. Go and play the game because and Liverpool do that to us. I've done that for years. Yeah, it's got to us. I always go back to that Wembley when uh, Jelovic scored. It was just yeah. it was the game of our lives, and it 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 swallowed the players up in the second half because they were the better team in the first half. Liverpool didn't know what to do themselves. Carragher, I think, in his book says he's never seen that much arguing going on at half time. Said so we're getting overrun completely by Everton. They come out, we give one pass away to understand to Suarez, and we just implode. Yeah, as, as anyone who was in the stadium that day just knew yeah. it was a matter of time. Like, we obviously, Dutton and Andy Cowell scored in like the 86th minute, but I think most of us just thought, well, at least he saved us extra time because it was, it was, it's happening. Like, yeah. do you know, because the players had accepted it. Um, but yeah, but again, that's my. As we talked about before, my only criticism of Moyes, he seemed to find a way of we could be flying, but as soon as we played one of the big boys at a, their place or a neutral venue, he just seemed to manage to take their confidence away. I mean, even like the United semi final when we beat him on penalties, we were pretty turgid that game. Do you know what I mean? It was, but it was terrible, great. Yeah. It was Davies the as well, by the way. They had a stonewall penalty, Danny Welbeck as well, by the way. No, yeah, when you look at it, it was actually down, the yeah. reserves. It had like Makeda and all that. No Ronaldo, yeah. no Rooney. Not Rooney. That. Yeah, he dropped them all, didn't he? Yeah. Um, and yeah, he, he just he seemed to find a way to just just like drain him of any. It was yeah. So he, I, that, he seemed to grasp. I mean. He seemed to grasp defeat from the jaws of victory, not the other way around. Mm. Yeah, and yeah, and towards the end, he created his own glass ceiling as well. He managed to convince everyone finishing sixth of Everton was an amazing achievement. And yeah. as soon as you start believing that yourself, that's why when he left, I thought it was the right time for him to go. But anyway, we're talking about uh, another the game. Story, yeah, but yeah. yeah. Uh, I just want us to go um, just go and implement what we're doing. I know that we've had some poor results this season. We've had a couple of poor performances, but there's also been some some stuff that we can cling to, some stuff that we can believe in. 
and you know, and we're going that to a game form, as well. uh, Sorry, mate. The away form on the Deitches and bad, is it? No. Well, but we're also we're going into a game as well where in a position where it's sort of grabs with twenty minutes, fifteen minutes to go. We've actually got players you could bring off the bench. You've got a Danjuma, you've got a Beto. You know, we might even have an, an Idrissa Garner Gay if you need to shore things up. So, for the first time in a while, we're not thinking, well, these fucking first 11 better get it done because there's nothing coming from the bench. We're actually starting to see, you know, now we're getting everybody fit, a little bit of strength there. So, you know, hopefully, I just want us to see is just turn up, implement our game plan. And if we perform well, I genuinely think we can get something. But if we go hiding and just accept that we're going to get beat, then we will. Yeah, so just the last couple of things. Would you like to see him play the same team that beat Bournemouth or would you like a Nathan Patterson to come in for uh, Ashley Young? Would you like to see a Trisigana Gay come back in the team? Was there any changes you'd make, Jamie? Um, Is Ashley Young's, so Ashley Young's, the Ashley Young's a bit of a talking point in it. I, I thought he was he struggled first half against Bournemouth. I thought he got better as the game went on. He it's seems to get a yellow image. card. He gets a yellow card and he seems to calm him down. Yeah, it does. It's weird. You know what I mean? yeah, it's yeah. weird. It's an odd one because obviously uh, Liverpool have got fast wingers, which we've touched upon. We touched upon. So you'd like to see Patterson sort of be able to match them. But I'd like the I'd like the experience of Ashley Young playing at Lanfield. He, he would know certain things. Um, he's done it before. He played in Man United, but you know, for Man United at Lanfield in in big games. So I probably would go for Ashley Young just for the experience of him. Um just to keep maybe keep Diaz at bay, keeps the crowd at bay, knows what he no sort of doesn't get overworked as well. Because I think Nathan Patterson probably would. I don't think that kid played in a Glaswegian derby. If he did and played three, four, five times, then you probably say he was ready. Um but Bournemouth see, I'm trying me because I don't know whether to play five at the back but I don't know whether that's the pessimist in me to be like oh, let's just go and get a result but I think we played quite well against Aston Villa with five and we sort of nullified it that's the thing so I would probably stick with the Bournemouth and if as you say if if we're winning or we're getting the points you can then switch to the five you can go right let's show this up and get the point or Go and get three if if we're winning. So it would start with the same that started the Bournemouth game, and just go for it, and just go right, just go and do what you did against Bournemouth. No, I wouldn't press them. I know Andy was saying before that he'd sort of do the same thing. I think if we were to press Liverpool, it could be our downfall. I think it's going to be very much a counter attack, yeah, style of play, which which we've got. Don't get me wrong. I think Dwight McNeil's got a bit of pace. No, you know we've got Calvert Lewin who's got. Has got back to the pace as well, and Harrison looks fast as anything. So you can get that ball to Anana. He's got a pass on him. Just ping, ping, if he can ping that ball over the Liverpool back four, then lads it away. So I think that's the way he's sort of going to have to approach the game. And luckily enough, now we've got the players to do that. And did you think something just popped in me? Do you think Sean Dyche will sort of go there with getting a point in mind and he will bring it to Saganagay back into the team or do you think he will just go with what beat Bournemouth? Yeah, you, you think going away to Anfield, you think Saganagay is one of the first names on your team sheet for obviously what he offers. Um, but I, I just think the lads did enough against Bournemouth to deserve to 
to keep their place. Um, in terms of what Sean Dyche will do, I don't really know, to be honest, because he does throw a few curveballs out there. He's, you know, if you'd have asked me this question 15 years ago under David Moyes, I could have told you exactly what he was going to do, the subs he make and exactly what he make. But with Dyche, I'm, I'm not quite sure at this moment in time. You, it do, you know, Anfield does say Garner Gay is one of the first names on your team sheet, but I, I think you might stick with the boys who did what they did against Bournemouth because I think it's a, to drop any of them would be, unless they're carrying a knock, I think it'd be a bit of a, a kick in the teeth for them. I think they've earned the right to, to certainly start the game. Um, yeah, and, I, I, you know, I know um, what Jane was saying about, obviously, the pace of Diaz, but, I mean, Astion might be 38, but one thing, the, the things I am worried about his game, but his pace isn't one of them, even at his age. He, he still looks sharp enough to me. Uh, and, you know, I think it's just passing the flood on this season, Manny. Yeah. I, I mean, I... Yeah, I mean, and I like Nathan Patterson, but his form this season has been poor. He's not done enough for me to to edge Ashley Young out the team. And one thing that I've seen on a couple of occasions that did disappoint me with Patterson when he was in the team is how quickly he dived in, particularly against William, uh, Williana at, at Fulham. And you do that against a, a Diaz or a Salah, they're, they're away in a heartbeat. Yeah. So uh, you need to you need to you need to jockey them much better than what he's been doing. So. Yeah, I'd stick with, with with how we uh, how we started last game. Right? Paul, I just wanted to ask you a question actually about Idrissa Gay. Now I know me and you and Andy as well. We all we love Idrissa Gay, and these yeah. are the games that he's probably built for. But we've just been talking about the midfield three of Garner, um, Anana, and Decore. That midfield three is still good enough to beat theirs. So. Is it just a guy a necessary? Is he necessarily a must to go in? Because really, without him, we probably still can overpower their midfield three. I just think he, he sees um, Decore as a as a shadow striker. She's not ne- necessarily playing in midfield, is he? So I was just maybe thinking that he want to put an actual three in the middle of the pitch. That's what I was thinking. I wouldn't yeah. do it myself. I'd keep the same team. Me personally, there's a little thought being going through my head. Is start Beto. Rough Van Dyke up on that a little bit, and then throw Calvert Lewin on in the second half. But I think I've just—I think I've played too much to that feed that new FIFA game, and that's what I've been doing <laughs> in that one. So I think that's—I think that's where I'm at with that one. But uh, yeah, Jude Bellingham's case, not mate. playing on Saturday. Well. Yeah, we yeah. can bring on Bellingham oh, Victor, and Ophir as well, so it'd be yeah. all good. Victor Osman won't be on the bench this week, though. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you'll be looking on I Saturday. Mean. You're going, where is he? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, what I'm not going to do. Me personally, don't know whether you want to do. It. I'm not going to do any predictions. For this game, yeah, not this week. So, yeah, we'll leave it there. That was a really good podcast. That lads for in depth, gone into a lot of detail there about loads of different things. And uh, yeah, it's good to be back. And uh, can't fight to gobshites up the toffees. They are, yeah, every one of them. Yeah, up the toffees, up the toffees. Sports Social Podcast Network. <laughs>